Hello, my name is Alex Gilliard, and this is an episode of the Mittal Institute's Conference on Hinduism in Nepal, highlighting Gautama Vagracharya's lecture on the Nuar ritual calendar. My lecture mainly related to Sanskritization of Nuar culture. Nuars were quite different from Aryans, quite different from Sanskritized people. They spoke uh, Tibeto Burman language. And they were very different, but now uh, it has been more than thousands of years. They gradually Sanskritized. But if you study Newar culture and the, their calendar, we still can find out how they were before they were Sanskritized, before the Newar culture, before Hinduism and Buddhism. The main sources for my study are Lichibi inscription and Gopala Rajbamsavali, the famous Gopala Rajbamsavali, which is written in Sanskrit and also in Newari. And Newari translation of Amarakosha. Amarakosha is Sanskrit text, but it has been translated into Newari by multiple scholars. And their interpretation of Sanskrit word is very interesting. And then, if you use all these material to study this Newar calendar, we find many interesting things. Newar calendar is now, now, now published, they print, but before publication, they used to be handwritten, handwritten like, uh, like this one. Only priest or the Brahmin and a Buddhist priest had this kind of handwritten uh, calendar, which was called Panchanga. And then usually Buddhist priests uh, in their temple, they have a blackboard. Every day, the, the, the Newar priest writes down the significance of that, that day on that blackboard. And so only, only this day, we have printed version of uh, uh, calendar. But th there are about 200 copies of uh, uh, handwritten calendar in the collection of uh, National Archives. I find them very useful. Some of the, some of the festival or festive ritual mentioned uh, in that calendar is not performed anymore. And many festive rituals are not recorded in, in those handwritten calendars. For example, uh, mm, Buddha Jayanti. Buddha Jayanti, one of the most important festival in Nepal and Kathmandu, but Buddha Jayanti was introduced only 50 years ago. And therefore, we do not expect to see Buddha Jayanti recorded uh, in that handwritten old Newar calendar. Today, I will be discussing several uh, festive rituals. I call them festive rituals. It is ritual, but related to festival, several of them. Uh, one of them, it's 
called Shilachare, which is also known as Shivaratri, the night of the Shiva. Then another ritual closely related to that Shiva's night is Pahanchare. It is related to underground fertility god. And then I also like to talk about the frog hymn and the significance of the frog hymn and uh, uh, frog worship at the beginning of the rainy season. And then I would like to discuss so-called Indra Jatra, the festival of Indra. Pahanchare literally means the 14th day of underground. Paha means underground. In classical Newari world, uh, you will see used only in some world like uh, you know, the frog hidden under the ground is called Paha Paha Byang. That means underground frog. And similarly, the insect who hides inside the ground is called so we know that Paha means underground. And on this day, on, on the day of Paha Chare and festive ritual, we worship a god who is identified as Shiva, but he is always buried under the ground. Sometimes this so-called Shiva is in the pit where they collect Manur. He is actually the god of Manur. Manur means fertility. Yes, it smells really bad for us, but for a farmer, Manur is almost like, a, uh, almost like money, money. So you, usually you will find this god, so-called Shiva, hidden under the, under the Manur. But that god is also known as Luku Mahadeva. What is Luku? I don't know. Yeah, often it is translated as hidden Shiva, but uh, Luku, Luknu is Nepali word, not Nevari word. Very likely this is derived from Lakhu, which, is, which means the junction. And yes, it is true that sometimes we find that shrine of uh, um, hidden Shiva, so-called hidden Shiva, uh, on a junction, on a crossroad uh, of Newar, Newar villages. This is four-faced Shiva. The modern-day Paspati Nath temple, the Paspati Shiva, enshrined in Paspati Nath temple, pretty close to this Shiva. This is in the collection of a French collection Solomon family collection on which I am working. Uh, very likely, the very first Chaturmukha of Shiva, four-faced Shiva, established by King Amshubarma, look like this one. But if you study the story of uh, this uh, Paspati, we know for almost for sure that originally, originally, Paspati Nath temple was not exactly Shiva, but he was a god, Nevar god of underground, subterranean, subterranean fertility god.
according to Gopala, Ram, Gopala Bamsabali and uh, uh, Nivar translation of uh, Amar Kosha, Nipa or Nepa was the very first Nivar, and he had a cow, and the name of his cow is Bahuri. Interesting name, non-Sanskrit name, Bahuri. And the Bahuri cow, the neighbor saw his cow going to a particular place every single day, and then that cow milk herself, sprinkle her milk in a particular place almost every single day. And Nepa, the owner of the Bahuri cow, was watching it. And so he became curious, what is, what is this? What is inside, inside this ground that this, my cow is uh, offering milk every single day? So he dig. When he dig, he found Paswatinath image, according to the Shiva. Shiva, Shiva Linga, he found inside the ground. And this is the story. But the, this story that uh, Shiva being under the ground is pretty close to Newar worship of that uh, Luku Mahadeva or uh, uh, the god of Paha, the underground, underground so-called Shiva, underground uh, fertility god. This is Amsubarma's coin in which that cow is shown with a baby, right? and this cow is identified with inscription as Kamadohi. Ka, Sanskrit name Kamadohi, which means milking whatever you want. You, you can milk, if you milk, uh, how to translate, you uh, self-milking cow, in a sense. It had double meaning, as a matter of fact. Self-milking cow, also, she milks whatever you want. That is Kamadohi, right? But that Kamadohi, the cult of Kamadohi, continued even in the medieval period. According to Amarakosha, Nevada translation of uh, Amarakosha, the Snevari word for Kamadohi is Bahuri. So Kamadohi and Sanskrit word Kamadohi and Bahuri in the sense is synonym. But in same Amarkosa translation, Bahuri is also translated as good quality cow. Bingo, bingo sha. So Kamadohi is a name of a particular cow, but also a name of a good quality cow. In this Nevari inscription, the same Kamadohi is mentioned as Bahuri. This is 18th century uh, uh, Nevari inscription. But this one was found near the Swayambhu temple, that uh, grazing, grazing ground, currently known as Chauni, the Chauni Museum, the grazing, grazing place for cows. 
In this inscription, it says that this image of cow, it doesn't mention Bahuri, but this image of cow is made for the fertility of this grazing ground. Clearly said that Gograma, Gograma Shadbala, the grazing ground of the cow is mentioned in there. So this is what I believe that this Bauri is a Prilichabi culture. Bauri is a cult of, Bauri cult is older than Lichabi period. And then when the Sanskritized people Lichabi came, they identified, they identified that cow as Kamadohi. What is the meaning of Bauri, we do not know, but certainly, uh, the, the name of the cow before it was Sanskritized was Bahuri. Because this, the story of Bahuri is so closely related to uh, underground Shiva, we'll, we can connect this story with Pahanchari always, also. See, this is, this is Luku Mahadeva. In springtime, this so-called Shiva, Luku Mahadeva or Lakhu Mahadeva is worshipped and it is mandatory to um, offer some vis visitation that grows around that time. Most of the time, this pit, this shrine is covered with dirt. Sometimes, this, this pit is covered with uh, manure. It is covered, and then all the dirt you put on top of it, including um, umbilical cord. When you have baby, you cut the umbilical cord, you throw away on top of, on top of the, uh, that uh, uh, Shiva's gown. Inside, inside there is uh, the so-called Shiva, but under the, this place is, the, the, the place around this Shiva is also called Swasa. Swasa is a place, usually Swasa is a, around crossroad. And all the dirts are compiled there. Very likely, the, uh, this uh, um, uh, so-called Shiva is a god of manure, the deity of manure. This is in this I found in Morutol. This doesn't have any inscription, but near Aryaghat, I found a stone almost like this. This one is not buried anymore, but this is literally period stone. This is a seventh century stone sculpture. It has inscription around here. Literally period inscription. According to that inscription, this stone is Parthiva Sila. It doesn't say God. For, for, the, for the punya of my father and the mother, I establish this Parthiva Sila. That means the earthen, earthen stone. Or you can translate the underground stone. This is 
Noar, Lukumadio for sure. This is not underground anymore, but if you compare this uh, Partivashila with Noar Lukumadio, you become very sure that this is not exactly Shiva, but Noar Lukumadio. This is from Bhaktapur. On the day of Shivaratri, on the day of Shivaratri, they worship this underground Shiva. In, in Kathmandu, underground Shiva is worshipped uh, in the month of uh, Chaitra, but in Bhaktapur, the underground Shiva is worshipped exactly one month ahead. Very likely they are same God and worship in different period of time. Like Barsha uh, Basa, but this Barsha Basa can be either in, in the month of Ashar and Shabana. And same way, very likely uh, the worship of this uh, uh, underground Shiva, uh, either in the month of Chaitra, either in the month of Falguna or in the month of Chaitra. So this is one example. That was one example of Sanskritization of uh, uh, Navar culture. I gave similar lecture. I gave similar lecture in Kathmandu, but I was not brave enough to talk about Paspati being a Nevar deity. So I skipped <laughs> that, <laughs> that part of my lecture in Nepal, but I feel much more fear in, at Harbor. I am free to say what I really believe, what my research, is, uh, uh, research guide me to say. What I'm trying to say that the Paspati Shiva was not Paspati Shiva, but it was a uh, Navar deity of underground Manur fertility deity. Manur, Manur god, god of Manur. In, uh, in, in, in Vedic text, Lakshmi, the goddess Lakshmi, is described as Karishni. That means full of, full of Manur. Karisha is Manur. Lakshmi is the goddess originally, Lakshmi, was the goddess of Manur. Manur means fertility. Fertility means the wealth. Right? Same way, here we worship the, the god of Manur as a god of fertility. Now, if I say this, Paspatinath was originally god of Manur, they're going to kill me. So, I did not dare to say anything about it. Another, another important day that I would like to discuss today is a frog, frog worship. Never frog worship. This, the discovery of the significance of frog worship is closely related to my life. What happened before I came to United States toward the end of 1974, I had never been outside 
never been outside South Asia. They've been, been away from Nepal and India. In India, I have been to Banaras, Calcutta, New Delhi, like that, but never been the Indian, out of Indian subcontinent. So all of a sudden, I landed in uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles is the warm, but the California doesn't rain much. It rained maybe about 10 days, 10 days in the year. One day, I was walking from my apartment to Los Angeles County Museum of Art. It rained. It rained so much, so much that I was, I was completely, my whole body was completely wet. My friends who work in, and, uh, at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, they, do, they dive, they dive, and they dive to the parking lot. And uh, even if it is raining, no problem. But I have to walk about 15 minutes, but within that time, it rained so hard that uh, I was completely wet. And so I was a little bit embarrassed. And so I thought that rainy season is just begun. Next time, I went to office with an umbrella and a raincoat. And my boss and my guru, Pratapaditya Pal, asked, why are you, why you bringing the raincoat and uh, umbrella? And so yesterday it rained so much. I said, no, 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 Gautam, we don't have rainy season. <laughs> okay, that's the very first time I learned that this place is quite different from, quite different from <laughs> The, the place I came from. Uh, there is, there, in Hanuman Dhoka, there is a, a, a map of the world by Pratap, Pratap Malla. Uh, it is a disk, circular disk, and uh, Pratap Malla has given the name of the entire world in that disk, and according to him, Bharatabarsha is one country, and then there are many other countries given in the Meru Barsha, Kanaka Barsha, uh, Hemanta Barsha. All this country is named after monsoon. Bharatabarsha means rain monsoon uh, uh, land, right? So according to Pratap Malla, there will be no country without monsoon. Right? I was just like that. I was not familiar with it. And then after staying in Los Angeles about uh, four, almost four years, then I moved to Wisconsin. Wisconsin is quite different from uh, Los Angeles, quite different from Kathmandu, right? And then it snow a lot. Uh, actually, more than six months it is uh, cold out there. And then it snow a lot. And then after the snow melt, immediately after snow melt, frogs started croaking. That I found really interesting. It's an interesting phenomena. In Nepal and in India, frogs start croaking after the drought is over, just, just the beginning of rainy season. Right? But out there, just after the snow melt, and that's the time I, ha I was working on, working on 
Rig Vedic Frog Hymn. And so I begin to study the Rig Vedic Frog Hymn, and the frogs help me to classify the, the culture of the world into two groups. Estivation culture and hibernation culture. The place, the region where frog hibernate and start croaking just after the hibernation is over, around their hibernation culture becomes popular. But in, in India and Nepal, frog start croaking after estivation and Nepal and India has uh, estivation culture. So hibernation culture and estivation culture. Hibernation culture usually worships sun god. But in estivation culture, mainly worship rain god. That helped me a lot. But this frog worship, frog worship in Kathmandu in the month of the Shamana, Around that time, rainy season is almost over. Frogs start croaking. Frogs start croaking just after rainy season begins, and that's why it's described in, in the in the Rig Veda. But the frog worship, Newar frog worship, and Rig Vedic frog worship is very close. But around but we have frog worship in Sravanan when the rainy season is almost over. This is the time in Saku they have Wapiya Jatra, which means rice planting, rice planting festival. Rice planting is almost two months before the festival, but they do rice planting festival. They celebrate rice planting festival around. Uh, uh, around Sarbani, which I find uh, uh, very interesting because the, the seasons and the name of the month has been changed. We, it's, a, it's a difficult to explain because Sarbani used to be Shabani month, the month of Shabani used to be the beginning of the rainy season and, and Vedic period. That's the time, that's the time the grasses become fresh and the green that we know from Vedic lit literature. But now, grasses become fresh and the green two months before, not in Shabani, but around Ashara month or month of jester, jester, ashara, sabar. So the, the season and the name of the month is very different now. The frog worship, that study of frog hymn also helped me to understand newar, newar ritual, other newar ritual, newar Never called their year Dasa Dasa. Never month. 
this is the thing. The word Shambhatsara, this is about, this is about the Sanskrit word Shambhatsara, which is used in Rig Veda. Shambhatsara is a, has double meaning. Shambhatsara is a year, but Shambhatsara also means 10 lunar, 10 lunar months. Although Shambhatsara means a year, whenever this word Shambhatsara is used in the context of a pregnancy of a cow, pregnancy of a, a, human, a human being, Shambhatsara used as a synonym, synonym with 10 months, 10 lunar months. It says Shambhatsare Vatsa Jata, at the end of the Shambhatsara, a child is born, or dasame maase, dasame maase, the child in the 10th month, 10th lunar month, a child is born. Right, so this, so the Sambhatsara, originally it means only 10 lunar month. Nawars, even now, the Nawari word for uh, the year is don. Chada, nida, soda, right? Nawar says every year, every year, this English word, every, every year, they will say de dasan. That means every year. But de dasan literally, literally means every 10 months. It is derived from Sanskrit dasa dasa. Sanskrit dasa dasa. Ten months make one year. This is in ancient time, it's almost everywhere. You don't have to have you don't have to have twelve months to make the year complete. Uh, for example, even this uh, Western month like a September, October, November, December. September, October, November, December. Sanskrit will be Sapta, Ashta, Nava, Dasa. That means seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. December, December used to be tenth month. December means tenth month. And then later in Julius Caesar's time, two more months were added, and then it became 12, uh, 12 months. In ancient time, Ten, 10 active months make a year, and then remaining, remaining two months anonymous, no name. In Persian inscription, ancient Persian inscription or Darius, the, the month before the month before the snow melt, the winter month before the snow, snow melt is called Anamaka. In the inscription, a Darius inscription, Anamaka simply means uh, no name month. The winter month inactive, so they gave the name for the winter month uh, Anamaka, no name month. Newars, if you study Newar culture uh, closely, you still find that concept hidden in Newar culture. For example, 
on the day of Mapuja, uh, on the New Year, uh, Nepal New Year's, uh, it is mandatory to have a, a wick to, to burn a, the oil lamp. Or you have an oil lamp, and then you have, you have to have really long and thick wick during that worship. That wick, did you understand what I mean? The oil lamp wick. That wick, in Sanskrit texts, of Newar Sanskrit texts, the wick was called anamaka. Anamaka wick. So very likely, the Newar years begin from the month of Kartika, and then after 10 lunar months, in, in the month of Shrabani, the 10th lunar month is completed, and then after Shaban, after rainy season, one or two months is Anamaka. And then on the day of the New Year's Day, they, they burn the week because that Anamaka period is over. As a matter of fact, this idea of lunar month is derived from the culture of the cow, cow culture. As you know from Gopalabham uh, Shabali, Newars, before they were Sanskritized, before the Litchi period, they were cow herd, Gopala, right? Even Gopala Rarabhamsavali name after Gopala. This, this, this cow herds, the cow herd culture of Newar is still with us. If you study Newar culture very carefully, we see multiple aspects of uh, cow herd culture. We are still using it. For example, the Kartika month was important for cowherds, not only for Newar, but also Vedic people, for, for, the, for the impregnation of cow. A cow can conceive, a cow can conceive any time of the year. But Vedic people and also Newars thought that if a cow conceived in autumn, in the month of Ashwin or Kartik, the cow will be giving birth a calf just before rainy season. And then when the rainy season began, the cow and the, and the baby calf both have plenty of green vegetation. So what they did in the month of Ashwin or in the month of Kartika, in autumn, they, they they perform a, perform a ritual called Vishor Sarga, release of bull. Vishor Sarga means release of bull. What they do, they kept the bull away from the cows. Most of the time, they kept the bull away from the cows. And then in the month of Ashwina or Kartika, they release the bull so that the cow can conceive in autumn. So when the, the cow conceived in the month of autumn, the, the, the calf is born just before the rainy season. 
And this is why we have Lakshmi Puja or cow worship, shaya, uh, 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 what do you call it? Sapuja in autumn, Sapuja in autumn. And then exactly nine months, 10 days, nine lunar months, 10 days, we have uh, uh, Saparu, a cow festival immediately after uh, frog worship. Frog worship on the day of the full moon day, and then next day we have Saparu, uh, worship of the uh, Sapa, uh, Saparu, which is a uh, cow festival. If you count from uh, cow worship, autumn, autumnal cow worship to the festival cow in, in at the beginning of rainy season, exactly the time of the pregnancy. Nine lunar months plus 10 days, 10 or 20 days. So we know that uh, Lakshmi Puja or cow worship in autumn and uh, cow festival that take place immediately after frog worship are interrelated. But the problem is fresh grass. Fresh grass is available in Nepal or also in many parts of India, not in Sarvan, almost two months ahead of time because the month and the season has been, has been changed. Lot of things, lot of things happens on, on the day of a ceremony. Worship for frogs, uh, this is the time, uh, traditionally in the Vedic time, Upanayana begins. This is the time uh, Deva Batara is Buddha Shakyamuni uh, returned from the heavens. But that, that return of Buddha Shakyamuni is known as uh, Deva Batara. The gods coming to uh, coming to the earth. This is the time we have Ropai Jatra, festival of planting rice. Although planting of rice in this day take place almost two months ahead of time, which is also known as Wapia Jatra. And this is the time people go to uh, um, Goshain Kunda, which is known to Nevar as Siluvanigo. This subject is a little difficult to explain, but I have already written about it. Uh, some of them is already published. If you look my published, uh, I have written a, a, an article about Nepal Sambat and the Bikram Sambat that you find in the internet as well. And I have described my idea in detail. You will find some of my uh, view in that uh, uh, article. But the things about Indra, uh, not, not published yet. This is about uh, Indra Jatra. That Indra Jatra is uh, known to Nevar as uh, Yonlapuni. It is also called Yendala. 
Now, these are the keywords. Both these are Indras. This is from Solomon, Solomon family collection. We know this is Indra for two reasons. He holds uh, thunderbolt, and he also has vertical, uh, uh, no, um, horizontal eye. So he's Indra for sure. And then this particular image has inscription. And this is Lichibi inscription, 7th century inscription. This 7th century inscription referred to the newer festive ritual Yongla. This image was, uh, was uh, donated to a Guti on the day of Yongla, Yongla Puni, which is the day of Indra Jatra. So we know that already in the 7th century, uh, Kathmandu did have Indra festival. But in Kathmandu, we have a very interesting iconography of Indra, something that we, knew, we do not see anywhere in India. Indra seated, sometimes standing, stretching both hands. And we know he is Indra again because he has horizontal Rajangala. And uh, uh, this god again displayed during the uh, this, uh, uh, autumnal festival called Yonapuni. This is the detail of the inscription. Here the, here the, the festival is, is, is mentioned. Purnamashyam. Yonapuni is, is mentioned there. Indra is recognizable with horizontal third eye, and Shiva is recognizable with a vertical eye. But in Kathmandu, Indra festival and the festival of Vairava take place side by side, which is, which is very interesting. Why during the Indra festival, Bhairava is also a worship is an interesting question. How Bhairava is related to Indra? This we know from different, many different sources. This is from Rubin Museum of Art. Bhairava image. And then on on the image of this, this is Hatha Deva. I actually, this is not exactly Bhairava. Hatha Deva, Newar god of uh, beer and the drink. And then this god is identified as Bhairava. As you know, it is a crescent moon and all the, the skull. All these things indicate uh, uh, this god is Bhairava. But the Pairava most of the time has a small, small head on his crown. This is Pairava's crown, and then there is a small, small head. And this is the detail of it. This kind of head is known in iconography as Kulesha. If Pairava belonged to Shiva family, you will, you will expect the Shiva's head on his crown. 
if we belong to the family family of Vishnu, we expect the head of Vishnu on his crown. Right? So because Bhairava, Bhairava belong to the Shiva's family, we expect we expect to have Shiva's head, Shiva's head on his on his crown. But we never find we never find Shiva's head in Bhairava's crown. Sometimes we have a vertical line. It is not uh, it is nothing to do or eye. But sometimes you see again Hathadeva, and then in, if you see in detail, there is a small head here. You will see it's Indra's head. This is in National Museum Chauni. Um, and we know for sure that this head is Indra's head because it has uh, horizontal, horizontal thorai. And so the question is, why Bhairava has Kulesa head as Indra? On same day of the Indra Jatra, all over Kathmandu, all over Kathmandu, we see a scarecrow-like uh, uh, um, uh, image, a scarecrow-like structure, and then that scarecrow-like structure is surmounted by Indra's head. Scarecrow-like figure, and we know for sure that this is Indra because it has, again, uh, a horizontal eye. Clearly, clearly that the Indra image, that typical Indra image that we find only in Kathmandu, nowhere in India, with state hand, there are from the scarecrow scare like uh, uh, Indra's family. Very likely, ancient Newar worship scarecrow structure as their deity, as their ancestor god, as their protector god. Scarecrow protect their farm. And then, if you go around Bhaktapur, Bhaktapur, the study of Bhaktapur answers many questions, many questions that we have. In Bhaktapur, we see that scarecrow, sometimes Indra, we know for sure it's Indra, but not always Indra. Sometimes we have Bhairava. Scarecrow-like figure, and then head of Bhairava is placed here. Sometimes Indra, sometimes Bhairava. Yeah, this is Bhairava for sure, Scarecrow, and uh, I, so it seems that Nawar worships Scarecrow as their protector god, but after Hinduism, after the introduction of Hinduism, that god some, sometimes was identified as Indra, other time as, as Bhairava. This is why in Kathmandu, Bhairava and Indra is worshipped during so-called Indra Yatra. Compare this scarecrow Indra and this Indra. But I'm trying to say that the origin of this but peculiar iconography of Indra derived from scarecrow Indra.
Sometime in Bhaktapur, we see not only Bhairava and Indra, but the solar god, a solar disk. We know it is solar disk because the, the rays of the rays of sun, this scallop motif, as we know from um, uh, Kushan period, Mathura sculpture, the the the, the sun rays is symbolically represented uh, in 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 the halo of the gods as a scallop motif. That scallop motif is still continued in Bhaktipur and is a sun god, solar disk. I think I do have an example of it. Here, this is the Mathura. I, the hello, solar hello, and then another example. In Gandhara, we see sun rays, but here, in scalar motif is used. In Bhaktapur, sometimes, instead of Instead of Bhairava, uh, instead of Indra, we have the symbolic representation of sky. We know this figure represents uh, sky because in uh, Tribhikrama image, Tribhikrama image, according to the story, the Vishnu place one leg in the underground. Another, another food he placed in the sky, right? That's, a, this is, this, that's what it is shown. Vishnu is stretching his legs. He placed one leg underground, then another leg in the sky. But in sculpture, in the sculpture, the sky is, the, the atmosphere, the sky is shown with widely, wide open mouth, wide open head. And you, you, if you compare, his wide open mouth with this Bhaktapur uh, Indra Jatra, you will see the similarity and it gives a good idea about uh, the identification of this particular uh, image depicted in Bhaktapur. So, so what I'm trying to say that, this is my conclusion. Uh, Newars were very different from Sanskritized people. And then around the beginning of, uh, around the beginning of Christian era, uh, the Sanskritized people like Lichibi began to come to Kathmandu Mbhyadi. They gradually Sanskritize the name of the gods. Not only name, the name of the god, but also the place name. One after another, they Sanskritize the name like Palan, Palancho, Newar Palancho became uh, Sanskrit, Sanskritized word Palanchok. Uh, um, even that. Uh, Shakhu became Sankhapur, like that. Sanskritization began, and then the original Nevari name gradually disappeared. But if you study carefully, we still can find pre-Buddhist, pre-Hindu, 
uh, Newar name, Newar gods, and still prevalent in Newar culture. I found Vedic study important because Vedic study in Vedic text includes not only Indo-Iranian, uh, not only Indo-Iranian idea, but also monsoon culture. The Vedic people came from the place where there was no monsoon, but beginning from Rig Veda, we began to see like frog hymn, we began to see um, the, the familiarity of monsoon culture of Vedic people. So the Vedic literature has two parts, monsoon culture and Indo-Iranian uh, Indo uh, aspect. That the monsoon culture that we find in Vedic literature is very, very helpful for understanding, for understanding the Newark culture. Compare that monsoon culture found in the Vedic literature with Newark culture, you will see multiple times, you will see uh, similarity like frog him. Like that uh, uh, um, the cow concepts of uh, release of the bull, Bishor Sarga ritual, which is still discernible in our culture. I, I before I, before I came to uh, United States, I studied Sanskrit. I was not interested in uh, Vedic study at all, but while working in Los Angeles County Museum of Art, I began to study Kumar Swami and Stella Kramer's uh, book. They constantly use uh, Vedic literature to explain Indian and, and Nepalese artwork, and but how uh, Vedic literature is uh, related to um, classical period uh, Indian art, they, don't ha they didn't have any answer because Vedic, there is more than almost 1,000 years difference between early Vedic period and the beginning of uh, Indian, Indian art. So how this Indian art is connected to uh, uh, Vedic literature, they didn't have any, any answer, but I began to take interest uh, in Vedic literature after reading Kumar Swami. And then I participated in a conference in Lubeck, and that's the place I met uh, Professor Michael Wigel. Since then, I'm in contact with, with him, and that's the time, very first time we began to use email. I use e plenty of email and Professor Michael all the time uh, responded to me. That's the way I learned a lot about uh, Vedic literature. I knew classical Sanskrit literature, but I did not know much about the Vedic literature. But I learned, this is a long distance guru-shishya relation, but uh, it was very helpful in those days. Michael Wigel, Professor Michael Wigel, less busy, and I write email today, 
Next day, he responded to me. That's the way I learned a lot about Bayesian literature. I'm really grateful to Professor Michael Winsor. Thank you.